0: this week on the podcast, I am joined by Ryan Bolduck. Ryan is a real estate investor. He lives in the Bitterford saco Kennebunk area, does some investing there, does some investing up north and in other parts of the country. So I've been following him on Instagram for the past few years at Maine Multifamily. He puts out some great info, some stuff that I love, messaged him a few times. We've connected that way and I invited him on the pod. So he came here to share some of his information how he got started in real estate investing, some of his learnings along the way, systems he has in place. Awesome conversation. If you're thinking about investing in real estate, this is one to listen to for sure. So this is the Randy Forcier Podcast. To support it, do me a favor. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. Post new episodes every Monday. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate all the support. Here's Ryan. All right. Here with Ryan Bolduck. Ryan is a real estate investor. Been following him for, I think, a couple of years now on Instagram. Has the handle at main multifamily. Love following what you're doing, and I'm happy that you came on the podcast. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Hey, it's great to be here. It's good to actually talk in person or virtually, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we've been shooting notes back and forth over the years. I mean, I like the content that you're put putting out. I do some real estate investing myself, but I think the way you do things kind of connects with me and it's some of the stuff you're doing is, is things that I aspire to do too. So I'll look forward to talking to you about it. When did you create this Instagram handle and decide that you wanted to like put your real estate venture out into the world? I think I created it in 2020 around okay. the COVID time. And I actually did it without
1: telling anybody that I knew. And mm-hmm. I did it without showing my face or anything. Cause I was all just nervous about people knowing what I did, Yeah. but then, you know, it kind of progressed to Showing my face a little more, and then I took a hiatus for the last year or so, and then just kind of getting back into it again now, trying to post a few more things.
0: So, was this a COVID hobby of yours, or you were doing it regardless, and COVID just happened to happen at
1: that? I point? think it kind of happened. Then I, you know, I started to get more into real estate, and that's mm-hmm. when I, I got into a mastermind. And then I was like, all right, now I'm going to start buying more properties. Yeah. You know, I started off buying one every year, and then yeah. at that point, I was like, all right, now I'm going to, I'm going to buy more, and you know, see what I can do.
0: Nice. And, yeah. So before we get into the real estate stuff, this is not your main gig. You have a job, like a full time job. Right? I do. Yes. So why don't you share that and a little bit about your background?
1: Uh, yep. So I, I actually run a engineering company based out of Biddeford, started it in 2016. Our first year is 2017, same year as I bought my first rental property. So it's been a chaotic, hectic last few years of growing that. We're bringing on our 18th employee next week. Yeah, that's exploded. And uh, yeah, kind of went from the real estate from there. I mean, got a an education, humane engineering degree, and then kind of went into it after that at the shipyard in Portsmouth and then for an EPC, you know, engineering, procure, construction firm, and then ended up where I'm at now. And they gave me the opportunity to start my own business within a business. I pitched them a plan and they said, we're all in. You have control to do whatever you want from this point on. So it kind of worked out. So what type out. of
0: engineering is it then?
1: It's electrical engineering. So we deal with substations, power plants, a lot of field testing and commissioning of substations mm-hmm. and, and power plants.
0: I would think being an engineer lends itself well to being a real estate investor in terms of analyzing deals and being very analytical. Do you, do you feel like that's translated well? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah,
1: no, it's, it's translated well for me because I'm a Google Sheet or Excel yeah. nerd i am in there all the time i just forward out a couple to a few friends who are asking for so i do some time logs i do all kinds of project management and mm-hmm. you know uh no ice calculations and rents and all that stuff so i enjoy the numbers and so that's why i liked real estate from the get-go
0: so you mentioned a mastermind is what got you into it tell me about that what, what kind of mastermind local mastermind something online um, well it was you know it's kind of that one 2020,
1: I started it was the David Green Mastermind, who's like now the Bigger Pockets podcast host. Yep. So I started off there. I did that for a, a full year, but then the first first time somebody from the group called me, he had said, "You know, I'm going to do ten burrs this year," and mm-hmm. I was like, "Like, how, how do you even do that?" I like yeah, well, what's I, a
0: bird, just so everyone's I, on the same page with what a burr is. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah.
1: No, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. when you buy a property, basically rehab it you rent it out, you refinance out all of your money, hopefully, and then you repeat the process. So then yep. once you pay back everybody, then you, you know borrow that money again or use your own money and then keep buying more and more deals and then just cash out refi throughout the whole process to keep recycling your funds over and over again. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I had no idea, like, I, I'd listened to books and podcasts, but it all seemed kind of voodoo to me or woo woo. I was like, I'm just going to buy one property a year for the next 10 years and I'll be all set. Um, which is still a great strategy actually. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's what kind of kicked me off was hearing somebody else do it. I think it was a local guy too. He was New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he just kind of told me, oh, I'm using private money and all that. And then I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And then I just kind of went off from there.
0: So what was the first property that you bought?
1: investing The first property I bought was a four unit in Saco. So yeah, I was, I was renting at the time. I was a single dad. And then I just decided I heard bigger pockets for like two months. And then I said, I'm going to buy a property and I'm going to move into it. Or I wasn't planning on moving into it, but then once the FHA stuff, you're like, you got to move in. So I, I moved in and it worked out extremely well in the long run.
0: FHA is a no brainer for for people that want to acquire a multifamily property with a low down payment and are and are okay living in it. So I mentioned before, and people listening know that I do mortgages. So that's the one scenario where we're seeing people do FHA loans is for multifamily homes nowadays. So it's good that you were in a position to take advantage of that because if you had a single family home and you tried to buy that four unit, you would have needed 25% down or 20% maybe if you were doing a commercial loan. So smart yeah. move to take advantage. So, so you kind of grew from there, but how was it being a landlord in that first four unit? tough or you just kind of lay down the lawn? And like,
1: uh, no, I don't like to, I'm not much of a, I can be a ball buster, I guess, but not a lot of the time until I get, you know, to a certain level, but I didn't really want to tell people I was the owner and I was kind of wishy-washy and then growing, trying to grow that business at the same time. Didn't have any money. I mean, I used my 401k mm-hmm. as a loan against that just for the down payment. Uh, and then so i was just so nervous about not having money and i had to go on the road a lot to like florida in the in the winter for for work and outages so i would just be completely panicked about how the sidewalk was going to get shoveled or or anything like that and i basically did everything myself yeah but again it taught me what i didn't want to do for the rest of my life but i mean for me pain's the only motivator and it was it was kind of painful getting through that and but over the years, it's helped me develop you know the systems that we got now, so
0: it's so good that you did that though. just you know I've been there to changing faucets and cleaning out places and all that stuff, and it's like you really get an appreciation for it, and you realize that it's it's the brutal part. And when you can have someone else take that off your plate so you can focus on other things, it's kind of a game changer.: Oh, yeah, 100 so, percent so so you transitioned from that place into buying more properties, obviously, so was it a property a year? for a certain period of time and things have kind of grown. Cause I, I get the impression that there's more going on than just a property a year for you nowadays, but how did it kind of, how did it kind of grow from there?
1: Yeah. So after that, I moved into, you know, our home now where I am in 2018, that was 2017. Then 2018 I moved into another one and then I bought a four unit in Biddeford, yep. you know, where I had never, I didn't even see it. Actually. I, my <laughs> realtor walked it. I was at a job site in Florida and I said, he's like, Oh, it's great. I said, all right, put an offer in. And then we ended up uh, getting that, that property. And then another year later in 2019, I knew my neighbor at the first four unit. He did not want to be in that place anymore. He inherited it from his parents. He was very cantankerous. He was always like yelling at all the tenants and he had the, the place was completely empty except for him in the basement. So I got the feeling he wanted to sell. So I went over there and at first he told me to, you know kind of screw off or whatever and then eventually he ended up selling me that one so i ended up getting my four unit the three unit and then the parking lot next to it in that deal so now i own like three lots in a row so that's that was 2019 and that was a very large rehab project for me and it again stressed me out and i didn't have good contractors and juggling the family and the business and and then this it was, it was a lot to do. And I was like, oh, I can never do that again. I, I couldn't handle more than one project at a time is what I was kind of thinking.
0: So what were the key learnings then? Having good contractors or was there other things that kind of come to mind? A million things probably? Yeah, I
1: mean, holding them to a scope of work too. I mean, it's a tough to find good contractors. So sometimes you have to work with what you got and then mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, you don't pay them before you say you're going to pay them. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you know you go and pay and you're thinking like honest days work or something you're like show up at 10 and give them money and then you you know run to the store and come back and there's no one to be seen you know what i mean it's like that's kind of what was happening and then all of a sudden they didn't even show up to finish the last unit i had a call like calling the recruits and my dad even and stuff like that yeah to kind but of you help. piece
0: it together right like you you're learning from that even though it's not going the way you want like there is some Benefit to it, you know, things you could do differently next time. And
1: oh, yeah, 100%. You know, how
0: to handle situations. and
1: Yeah. And how to deal with people, contractors, and realize what, you know, kind of what you're up against. And now I have one in each market that I'm, I don't have to worry, which yep. makes it, you know, so much nicer to say, Hey, just go look at that unit, give me a price and get it done next week. Yep. That's kind of how it works now.
0: So you're at the point where you're investing outside of Biddeford, saco Where else are you investing?
1: I'm pretty much just like Central Maine, Waterville, yep. Augusta area. So that's the other part in Maine where we're at. And then I I do have a rental house out in like the Bridgeton area, but that's, that's a short-term rental, but yeah, pretty much multifamilies, all Biddeford, Saco, and then, you know, Augusta, Waterville area.
0: So do you work with management locally, or is it yourself managing with you having those contractor relationships that you talked about?
1: I do use management now. And then my wife during the pandemic stopped, she was nursing and then stopped nursing. So then now she handles a lot of management type activities, any sort of tenant stuff she started handling and things like that. So again, it kind of freed me up and, you know, allowed her to kind of replace what she was doing, yeah. you know, out, outside the home from the home. So yeah. it kind of worked out both ways.
0: That's one of the benefits from investing in real estate. And if you are going to have some level of involvement on a management level that yeah, you're work- you're basically working from home. If you can stomach the work and the people are are okay to deal with, I think it could be a good fit. But I mean, I think, finding good tenants is key, right? I mean, yeah. you, are you still updating your buildings to the point that you're putting in like some good tenants or are you a little bit more leaning with that sort of stuff? Well, right now,
1: I mean, anytime a unit opens, it's pretty much we're turning the unit, you know, we're putting mm-hmm. in new flooring, paint, everything like that. Cause we don't, haven't done a lot of rent raises over the time, you know, it's like when they move out, then that's when we really do the rent raises. Yep. So we'll get them up to market that way. So anytime anybody moves, we. Immediately this year, I've probably done over a dozen unit turns, you know, just updating, created three more units, you know, stuff like that within buildings. Finding so. some
0: areas to add units. That's awesome. That's a great way to improve the value of your property, create new cash flow. Oh, uh, yeah. Why do you think people moved out? Did you did you <laughs> guide them out? Or oh, well, I with- mean,
1: it's a lot, well this year it's been one building was problem tenants and it was. Mm-hmm we need you out now a lot of stuff we get into it but with the covid and the rent relief in maine there were tenants that had 18 months of rent free and then as soon as it ran out november 30th of 2022 mm-hmm. no one had any money so there was mass evictions like i mean we were i was questioning a few things in december january trying to rent units in maine which is yep. not a good time to rent
0: yes yeah, um, to- so i had
1: yeah we had like 25% vacancy in that yeah in that time period but and we had switched management companies Mm -hmm. so there was like this huge thing and then one building i completely got rid of almost everybody and kind of started fresh and thankfully now it's like this year has just been like stacking you know better tenants better quality better management better systems to to the point that it's like oh okay now this is what Cash flow is supposed to be, this is what, you know, rents are supposed to be, but I'm still investing heavily into some CapEx projects at a, at a lot of the properties. Just and
0: like then, roofing type stuff, porches. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, like probably 40 units. I'm putting all new heating systems in and stuff like that so that I can individually meter, things like that.
0: Pass that cost on to the tenant.
1: Right, it's so variable that, you know, cool. uh, rather than doing large rent increases, just kind of put mm-hmm. the onus on them to say, hey, it, you know, rather than a big rent increase getting you into market, You'll be responsible now for your heat. And then our cash flow isn't so, you know, slow in the winter and in the summer.
0: If you have 250 a gallon oil versus, you know, 450 or or whatever, that's a big difference. If you, you know, if we're talking the number of units, it sounds like you have, I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. In
1: one portfolio. Yeah. uses like 20,000 gallons of oil. So if it goes up four bucks, you know, that's $80,000 on top of the oil bills.
0: I don't know if you're aware of this, but like since I've owned properties, at least in the Biddeford Saco area, it was all, it always seemed like it was on the landlord to pay for heat. Mm-hmm. And other places I've lived, it was always on the tenant to pay that sort of thing. So it's, it's good to hear that it's maybe moving in that direction where that cost can be passed on to the right. Tenant. It just didn't yeah, seem I, like it was the norm around here. And, and it's cool that it's moving maybe in that direction. Yeah. Definitely
1: other places outside of the state, that's all like the tenants yeah. pay everything pretty much. It's um, even water sewer. Yeah, um, but we don't, you know, up here, pretty much. Yeah, you pay heat, hot water, and eventually, sometimes you can get electricity. But now I've been splitting. I've done electrical upgrades. Everyone have their own meter and all that stuff. It's been okay. a lot of investing in capital or capital expenditures to, you know, looking down the road two or three years to be like, okay, then I'll be, you know, just with the portfolio we have now, will be very solid cash flow. Yeah. So
0: people don't realize that that takes a level of planning and it takes time everyone thinks like, if you own properties, you're instantly rich, but they don't realize like those big vacancy issues or the turnovers and the, and the changing all the systems. And yes, at some point it's going to be better, but like, it doesn't happen overnight. No, definitely definitely not.
1: I mean, the first year I don't even plan on making money. And then if you're doing, you know, if you do inherent problem, problem tenants, I mean, you can go months without rent and you're paying lawyer fees and then you're paying them to move out I mean, it it gets very, very expensive at
0: times. That can <laughs> throw off a whole year's worth of numbers just by having one tenant like that. You know? Exactly. And I, and I experienced that too with, you know, once the rent relief dried up, I think I got someone out last month, but it was a good nine months of them not paying, you know, and that's 9000 bucks and $1,500 lawyer fees and all that stuff. But people don't realize that that sort of stuff can happen. They just assume, hey, you own property. So you're, you know, you're doing really, really, really well, but there's a time. Right. So... You mentioned systems that you have some systems in place. Is there something that's easy to explain? Like when you say that, is it like rent collecting type systems? Is it finding tenant type systems? Is it more than that? Like what type of systems do you think you've added to your uh, portfolio?
1: Just like one thing is like say from a cash flow, flow perspective, like to make sure that it's more stable. <clears throat> Even you know a lot of the places we are paying for for heat to. Keep a minimum of six months of PITI, principal interest tax and insurance in the checking account at all times, and then have a separate CapEx account, which is funded every month. And then, you know, only you and your particular property know what that's going to be 10,000, it's going to be 20 or five, but then funding that every month and then taking only taking withdrawals from that account on the difference from the six months of PITI, like every quarter and then stagger the properties. yeah. So that way, you know, each month you're having some sort of cash flow coming out of there. And it's more, you know, if it's a busy heating season, you know, you might have a bunch of oil bills in January, not mm-hmm. in February, then March. So it kind of evens it out throughout the year. And then just, you know, it's outside of just <clears throat> managing the project uh properties too. Um like I have all these different checking accounts and like, where's the money coming and cash flow, or am I gonna overdraw these accounts, you know, as we're building up that reserve. So I hired a virtual assistant who also works for the management company. So he can get into the books, he can get into Appfolio, he gets into Buildium, whichever one we're using, and Mm -hmm. he can get all the information out of there. Every single day, my QuickBooks for every single account is updated that day there's no questions. And then the the receipt process, I scan receipts or my wife, and then it goes into a certain folder, which is like unpaid. And then if it's, once it gets paid, it gets moved to that folder. And then once that receipt gets attached in the QuickBooks with the transaction, then it gets moved to processed, you know, things like that. And then every single morning we get a text via WhatsApp of all of the balances of every account in one lineup. And then every single like, credit card or mortgage payment or mm-hmm. large purchase that's coming out that month. Again, just to just to watch cash flow. So then yep. my assistant can flag it and be like, hey, whoa, this one's gonna you know have a fifteen thousand dollar credit card bill coming in uh next week. What's gonna be the rents coming in and you know, forecasting all that stuff. Yeah. Which used to take hours and hours and hours to do. And now all those things are, you know, done and just kind of at our fingertips to 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 see it on a daily basis. So at any point we can pull up a P&L on every property daily. And then we know that everything's stored. And then just with, you know, the, we had Buildium. I went through seven or eight different softwares. We interviewed all of them and we just found out the right fit so we got that working exactly
0: the way we so needed what it. Is that this is something i spent a lot of time reading about and i actually used to yeah. use buildium and i hate to say it but i moved back to some spreadsheets which is the old-fashioned stupid way to do things but i have something i spent a lot of time looking into so what'd you settle on
1: well i personally settled on buildium down yep. here with my Bitterford properties and then yep. my management company that we went to ended up using app folio it's two one you know six and yep. one yep. half dozen in the other so what they did is they just took over my Buildium. And so now they're the contact with the tenant. Now they do the rec collection. And then we do showings through either AppFolio or Buildium. Everything gets pushed to all the websites, the you know, Zillow, Zumper, or whatever the, yeah. whatever they are called nowadays, there's yeah. so many of them. It goes out to like 15 of them. So those all come in, all everything gets logged into Buildium. Like I can go in or AppFolio and see every vacancy, Everyone that's shown an interest, what their level is, the chats between various people on the management teams, mm-hmm. if they've submitted an application, the minimum credit scores, all that stuff is all in a location. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of just seamless. And then I'll get a text and say, Hey, this one's no longer available. And I'm like, you know, a few, you know, we got <laughs> rent coming in this month for, for that yeah. unit. And then as far as contractor wise, we set everybody up on EFT. They've allowed, you know, they give us your bank, their bank account. So that way we pay everybody through Buildium or Appfolio. I'm going to transition my properties down here to Appfolio, just so we don't have two systems. Some consistency. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so just everything done through that app, whatever it is, the project uh, manager. I think it's
0: important to have a property manager that utilizes those things. So for me, like our portfolio manager is great. And I've been working with them for close to five years now, just they don't use that sort of stuff. I think it makes a big difference if your manager is using that stuff.
1: Yeah, we had a management company that would like collect cash and then it would be like envelopes and deposits that way. And it was like at the end of the month, I, how was I 100% sure? Yeah, you know, they never shorted me. They probably gave me more just because they were great people. But they but there's some room for they were not tech savvy, there. right? And I needed if we wanted to scale, which you know I basically doubled this year. So it's like mm-hmm. I needed someone that could adapt to software and take on units very, very quickly. You know, so that's that's why we opted to go with someone that was more comfortable using software.
0: So the yeah. the some of those systems that you reference are those things that or processes that you came up with on your own, or were you kind of leaning on the way other people have done things and showed you how to do it? Like just the daily texts and just all that sort of stuff. Well, that's,
1: that's always the tough thing to know. Cause you know, you do it after, you know, going through things, going through things, and then you turn, find out that, okay, that's a good way to do it. But I, I listen to so many podcasts, so many books mm-hmm. all at the same time. I could listen to 12 books at the same time. So I'm never like, in my front of my mind remembering it but i'm sure there's like a hundred thousand things back there that i heard somewhere else that i think is my idea yep. but you know i i think actually like grant cardone or something i heard him saying something about he sees all his bank accounts every single morning i think that's where i first heard that yep. and oh, I was like, yeah because i used to do that myself i'd go in there and everything okay what was spent what was this yeah and then i even have my own personal books just every expense that I ever do as an engineer, I've tracked you since 2007. You sound
0: like an engineer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Since in my business, we try to avoid working with engineers, but <laughs> yeah. well, trust in me, your I, uh, case, it yeah, serves you well for the real estate investing piece.
1: Right. I have enough uh, of them.
0: So you you doubled your portfolio this year,
1: you said. Well, well in Maine. Yeah. Oh, so, in
0: Maine. Yeah. So how did you... I mean, without getting too much into details, was it just like one big opportunity that you saw that you were able to capitalize on, or was it a bunch of like three or four unit buildings? How'd that work? Uh,
1: Yeah. So I mean, so yeah, like once I mentioned I was going to do all those burrs, then I bought probably, I don't know, it's it's hard to remember, six or ten duplex triplexes up in the Waterville Winslow Augusta area, like in twelve months, and did all that. So then was kind of looking for the next deal, and then at the end of 2021. So I don't market or anything like that. It's just Mm -hmm. people end up saying, oh, I heard this guy wants to sell. And then once I hear a warm lead, I'm pretty good at schmoozing, closing, finding out what they need, what they like. And then kind of the cool part was like the last 50 units I bought in Maine, I only put a total of two and a half percent down. So you finance with private money? With a bank and private money. Yeah. So... I did it. An, and then a
0: refinanced at some point to pay off that private loan.
1: Yes. So yeah, that's what I did on a, a nine unit that I converted to a twelve, and then I'm putting a solar farm in there as well. And so it's gonna it's gonna offset all of my electricity on all okay. my buildings in Maine.
0: So you're gonna uh, feed into CMP. CMP is gonna credit against your, all your other accounts. You know, I actually think now that you mentioned that, I think that that's one of the times I message you. I was like, Dude, "That's freaking awesome doing a solar yeah, farm." You see them, you're like, "Who are these people that are doing these solar farms?" And yeah, you know, does it make sense? And obviously, you did the numbers, and it makes sense to do.
1: Trying it, yeah. So we're going. I think we got to submit to the planning board here. It's listed as a ma- major project, so we'll see if it goes through. It's been yeah. a long. It's been over a year and a half, but I was able to roll that into. The financing as well, so I'm not coming out of pocket for any of that or any of the renovations for that particular building. And then another large portfolio in the Waterville area, so it was like six buildings, and I think they had like eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. And I picked the six that I wanted. I actually wanted only wanted three of them, but then they made me take the other three buildings.
0: <laughs> and it was worth it, I guess. To- now it was yeah. now it is
1: because I got them. You know, I the way I put the pricing in there, I got them for you know, 25% less than what a wholesaler was offering me the other day. So for the, for the two, you know, the duplexes, I didn't want them, but now, now they'll be all right. Especially when, once they have their own heating systems in. So every one of those units will have their own heating system. The 38 that I bought in January will all have brand new heating systems. Those were all 500 below market. So, and they were great, great quality, updated all the time but just so de- like wood dark wood paneling yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So we're turning them but it's you know it's probably $3000 worth of paint just to, just to go over the all the all the coatings and stuff but yep. Yeah, so both of that that first deal I got, you know, 80% from the bank, 20% from the seller and this latest deal I think I got 80% from the bank and 15 from the seller. So that's pretty cool.
0: that's pretty good to get a seller that's willing to hold what what twenty and fifteen percent probably equates to when it comes to purchase price. Yeah. Yeah. You you
1: sell them on the tax implications. Yeah. You find out their leanings and be like, oh you know, they're gonna tax you to death and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, I just basically waited till the next new year on the first one refinanced him out. And then this year I closed. So next year he'll probably want me to refinance out of his debt. But it's fixed at like, you know, it's like 5% interest only. So it's... Yeah,
0: with what rates yeah. are right now, it's pretty... Yeah, tough.
1: but so it, that'll... And then maybe I'll be able to get a couple more units off them if I do that. So
0: I think the way you did it is the way people need to hear that that's the best way to do it. Like word of mouth. I heard this person's looking to buy. I mean, I've been looking at stuff that's listed on the market and it's just insane. You know, what, yeah. the, what prices... It, I, yeah. Sellers at least in the Biddeford soccer area. Cause that's where I focus. These sellers are banking on 1031 money. They're banking on cash. <laughs> People just want to invest into something, but like the, the numbers just don't make sense. So no. you really got to be able to catch someone that you know doesn't put it on the market and is willing to work something out.
1: Yeah. Most of the deals I've bought have been off market. I mean, we did buy a nice six unit, I guess. Yeah. in the last year too in Biddeford, that one's, that one's great. That was on market, but. It went in, it went under, and then came back on, and we were able to scoop it up, and that has another buildable lot next door to it too, so I guess we have two oh, lots in that area
0: buildable lots are huge in this market i I hear a lot of of those type of properties going, so are you gonna put something on those lots? Or are you, thinking I think you we
1: just out? yeah, basically been just trying to I've kind of been glad that rates have gone up lately because I kind of was able to take a step back and be like, You know what I'm definitely not like i haven't I haven't penciled out any deals this year, which is like I used to do hundreds, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, nope, it's not even worth it. I can just, as soon as it's sent to me, I'm like, nope. Is that on market? Nope. Like, if, you know, it's it's to that point, because especially if it's a four and under, like you said, the FHA, that's what you're competing against right now. And
0: buyers are not looking at the numbers. They're just like, oh, sweet. There's two other units that'll help me pay my mortgage payment. That's going to be like $3,500 a month. They like do not care one bit about anything that an actual non-occupant investor is looking for. So yeah, you can't, you can't
1: even do it. And that's why I sold six in Winslow because, yeah, because I mean, the prices doubled in one year almost
0: So two, three units to make the six or a six unit, six duplexes. Oh, six. Yeah. So yeah, it's perfect. I I saw you post something about, I think that's when I messaged you most recently is that you sold some things to kind of reposition for, for whatever's next.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I mean with the way they're reassessing the taxes, I mean, the sewer bills, all that stuff. So it was like, These people moving in there, they were all, it was all almost off market, but Mm -hmm. our realtor knew somebody and they were like good people and they wanted to get in and have a home. So I was like, all right, this is, we won't even put it on there for most of them. They gave us a very good price and, you know, they'll do well. Like they'll never pay rent. You know, they'll still cash flow in the three unit we sold while Mm -hmm. living there. And we made out and we don't have any more headaches on those particular properties. Yeah. So.
0: So yeah, yeah. it's good to consolidate and get rid of those type of properties now. So how many total units do you have now? I don't know if that's something you share. So I, I, we were in, I was
1: in a bunch in the Midwest too, that I just got out of like a couple hundred and then we sold those. So I'm pretty much just down to my own portfolio. So I think after selling just in Maine, somewhere between 60 and 70. So Somewhere in there, 60, 70, oh, Yeah, i going to, yeah, yeah, to go back and, and look exactly what they are. Yeah, it's somewhere in that between 60 and 80 at this point. I don't know what's closed, what hasn't, so. Yeah, I know, yeah,
0: um, and, I, and I totally get it. What's So I guess, what do you envision for the next five years of your real estate investing? You're just kind of still evaluating? Um, I mean, I know you have those buildable lots. Is it more big portfolios? What does that look like, you think?
1: Yeah, I think I'd rather do a big port. That's one thing I've learned. I'd rather do a big portfolio once a year than... Ten or fifteen burrs, I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's just so much easier, uh, but it's a great way to get reps. You know what I mean? Like we learned so much by buying and then having to close and crunch and numbers and lending and you know private money. But now, if I can just find, you know, a nice portfolio that will then do a cost seg on every year. Yeah. yeah. No, that's kind of the goal because I think we've reached that was the thing, I was able to step back now and like calculate our cash flow, like in like two years. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I actually really don't need any more properties, which was kind of a huge revelation, because I've always been more, 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 more. Yeah. So now it's to the point of, all right, uh, one a year would be good. And then just basically kind of use it for obviously a place to make money, but then it would also help with taxes and and everything like that with the, with the cost seg studies. But just effort wise, at this point, I don't really want to buy 15, 20 buildings in a year at separate times.
0: Yeah. That's a lot. You're always dealing with something of, of the transactions if you're doing that many.
1: Right. And that's where all the, that's where, yeah, a lot of it. And then you're rehabbing most of them, because if you're doing that many, you're doing the burr process Mm -hmm. pretty much, unless you just have a ton of money to deploy. But yeah. yeah, and I just, I, I've got, you know, when I first started doing it, I had a newborn mm-hmm. now he's three, so it's not as easy. And I I have older boys too. So it's, it's, you know, I have a 17 <laughs> year old, a 13 year old, a three year old. So yeah. I, I'm busy enough that one a year would be good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Well, so. I think you touched on something that's important. There is probably a lot of efficiencies to improve on your buildings and doing the heating system is one way to stabilize but potentially improve your cash flow i'm sure there's some room to r- run with some of the rents in them so it's like you can really tighten things up on your existing portfolio to squeeze some more money out of it before you do you know Ex- explore again
1: exactly that's what we've been total total focus this year is like okay anything that comes open get it as fresh as we can yeah like upgrading all the heating systems taking a look at some of the roofs and like i said the solar farm so with all that kind of going i didn't and then i added three units Mm -hmm. Of the existing units. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, just when you look at that from an NOI perspective of like, you know, just increasing rents and decreasing expenses and offsetting utilities and adding units, it's like buying a bunch of them anyway.
0: Adding the units to an existing property and the cost that it takes to fix that, I mean, it's a huge return on your investment. Yeah, Yeah, it was...
1: Yeah. What you get for rent versus what you put into something like that. It's like, instead of like a one or 2% rule, it's like a 10% rule where the cost is like the monthly rent is 10% of what it costs to build the unit. Yeah. Which is, you know, 1% is great.
0: Yeah. So if you can get, yeah. When you, when you're looking exactly. So so I can relate to all that stuff before I let you go, what advice would you give to someone that's in that beginning stages, thinking about investing in real estate? Is there something that you wish you would have known when you first got into it or something that you tell people often?
1: There's no such thing as passive, but (laughs) (laughs) passive income. And then same thing is like, I would completely recommend what I did to start. Like with that, buying a multi-unit and living in it, the amount of after-tax money that saves. I mean, nowadays you could be paying $2,000 a month in rent. You know what I mean? So that's what twenty four grand a year. If you pay taxes on that, that's like thirty two grand in a year of your pay. So if you yeah. offset that, that's like a thirty two thousand dollar raise. And then never mind if you cash flow off that. So yep. just by what I did, that one move, I was paying a good deal fifteen hundred all in or something seventeen hundred in a house with much acres. But then I moved into a place with no driveway or anything, and I was cash flowing eight hundred or a thousand bucks a month while living there. So that swing was like $2,700 a month after tax. So it's like yeah. I made a thirty to $40,000 pay raise just by doing that. And then all of a sudden, now I'm investing monthly where I was living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. before that. And then that allowed me to buy the next one.
0: But that is a sacrifice for you to do that or kind of maybe a leap of faith or, you know, it's not an easy decision to, to do. No, that. it's
1: not. That That's what I, you know, I, I was fortunate. Again, I was a single dad at the time. I hadn't yet gotten married. So it's a lot harder to convince growing a family in an apartment, but when you can buy a house. So I was only able to do it once. And then, you know, then we moved into our home. But yeah, yeah other than that, I mean, there's ways to make money, flips, wholesaling, if you're just looking to make money. But I mean, I would... If you can offset your housing, that's that's yeah. that just catapult you into being able to afford whatever you the next venture you want to do. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, man, I won't keep you any longer. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Fun chatting about all that stuff. Love following your Instagram, so it's at Main Multifamily, and ton of good tidbits that you share out there, and just like kind of things where I'm like kind of in a bad mood. I see you post something. I'm like, you know what? That's awesome, and uh, <laughs> happy for all the success you've had.
1: Oh man, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. It Feels a bit corny sometimes, but. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it takes a lot to put yourself out there, or at least yeah. I think it does. You know, oh, you're, it does. You're, you're sharing stuff with the world and it's cool. I'm sure on your end to hear that some people are, are receiving it. And, yeah,
1: know. yeah. That's my wife got mad for a while that she was finding out about the deals on Instagram. <laughs> I had to stop doing that. I had to tell her first,
0: Yeah, but that was just
1: awesome. buying too many of them. But
0: Well, good stuff, dude. I appreciate the time. We'll definitely stay in touch. Thanks again for coming on the pod. Yep.
1: Yeah, thanks.